Welcome to the Dividend Cafe weekly market commentary focused on dividends in your portfolio and dividends in your understanding of economic life. Hello and welcome to today's COVID and Markets podcast brought to you by the Dividend Cafe of the Bonson Group. And today is Wednesday, the 29th, and we have another day behind us and, and kind of an interesting day. I, the, the market, the Dow was up at 160 points. Um, the S&P and the NASDAQ were both up about double, uh, on, a little more than double on a percentage basis. And, and I'm totally fine to say that the market went up today after, you know, Fed comments. Um, as long as someone could explain to me what the Fed said today that everyone in the world didn't already know. Um, there wasn't anything new, no surprises, you know, nothing that could be really thought of as market boosting out of the Fed commentary today. So I do think it's one of those days where in all humility, it's better just to say the market went up because it went up. But there was some good earnings news today. There, you know, the the Fed is always nice to hear them stand and say they're there to back up every risk asset on the planet and and things of that nature. Um, I also suspect there could be some leakage around some of tomorrow's earnings announcements. But again, those those kinds of things are always very hard to prove. So, you know, where where we are is that the market is in a trading range. And it's positively biased, and today there was some upside around that. Um, as far as some of the, the COVID-related um, announcements, I'm recording a little too early today to give you a, photo, a total snapshot on today, but some of the earlier reporting states are continuing in their trend, and I definitely want to focus a little attention on Florida. Um, it is the fourth day in a row that Florida's case growth has come in well below 10,000, and and below that it was four before that it was fourteen days in a row that they had been uh, most I think eleven or twelve of those fourteen days they were well over ten thousand they had averaged about twelve thousand a day for fourteen days and so that's come down roughly twenty five percent and I think that's a big deal um, now the mortality released today is pretty high two hundred sixteen reported deaths but then you look at at the data. And it's just very difficult to decipher because of those 216 deaths, only 13 of them were from either yesterday or, or today. Um, uh, on average, about 60% of the mortalities being reported are from 10 to 20 days ago. And so we don't know how the data changes when it's this rolling lag that is very frustrating but it appears that the date of death peak, as opposed to the reported date peak, is gonna was July sixteenth. So, so about two weeks ago. But again, I, I kind of need more reporting data out of that embedded lag over the next week and maybe a little longer than a week to verify that. So, Florida on case growth dropping, hospitalizations looking just fine. Mortalities, and when I say just fine, I mean relatively speaking, it hasn't worsened. It's modestly got better. There's still a lot of people in the hospital that would love to get out of the hospital, and I hope you understand. I know that. I'm just speaking more numerically here, and so I asked for your grace and how you hear it. But in terms of some of the bigger picture things on COVID today, um, I'm going to first start with what I think is one of the most important data points that I've gone into this whole summer. And that has to do with Arizona, which was the leader of the fact states in early June, 
coming out of the economic reopening of a surge of new cases, and on a per capita basis, yesterday surpassed the state of New York for uh, new COVID cases. And yet, at the same time, their deaths per capita are a quarter of what New York's are, and their total deaths are about a tenth of what New York's are. And the total deaths being only 10% of New York's is somewhat immaterial because you have to really measure these things per capita or you're just comparing apples to carburetors. But when you look at the per capita difference, when Arizona has 101% of the cases, but 25% of the mortality, both adjusted for population size, I have to say that that is as stunning of a reinforcement of the entire thesis that I've had all summer long as I could come up with, which is that cases cannot be the primary data point. They're not irrelevant, but they're by no means not even close to the primary data point at being able to measure economic potential, economic ramification, strain on medical resources, hospitalizations, and of course the societal impact through the tragedy of mortality. So I think that the um, fact that Arizona has reached New York's level per capita is not only not the whole story, it actually is the first part of what is a much more positive story, which is the validation of a healthier and younger demographic testing positive for coronavirus and the improved treatments in the summer versus the spring. That, When I say improved treatments, you can apply that to both therapeutics and to medical expertise on site. And then the potential of a more mild strand of the virus is making its way around. That third one, I can't make any argument for. I have no way of knowing that. It's totally outside of my area but it is certainly a listed possibility. And then obviously the other two seem to be much more empirically verifiable. Um, and what else do I want to cover before I move on here? Yesterday's new cases versus Tuesday of last week. So just again, going on apples to apples, week over week, day by day comparison had declined about four and a half percent. So this is the third day in a row of a week to week decline and that's something that has not happened since late May, okay? So if it seems some days like I'm straining for positive data, you tell me how this could not be interpreted positively. Three days in a row, declining week over week case growth uh, for the first time in a couple months. The seven-day moving average of new cases nationwide is now down 4% since its peak. Um, I'd love to give you a bunch of information on California and Texas hospitalizations, but there continues to be um, a significant amount of, of data distortions and issues as both uh, states have had a lot of difficulty converting to a change in their reporting system. And, and I just really want to be able to give a better and more reliable number. Um, however, even that reporting data would really more impact classified COVID patients in both, not bed count, okay? And bed count numbers, particularly in Houston, appear to, uh, which is where it had been tightest in the state of Texas, appear 
to be significantly improved. Um, the states, by the way, where you are seeing an escalation of case growth, not, not the opposite that we're seeing most places, Oklahoma, Alaska, Rhode Island, some smaller states, but nevertheless important areas, and, and you're seeing some case growth in those states. But if I'm going to be objective on both sides, A, I want to tell you that the cases are growing there, and B, it's coming off of a very, very low base of numbers, so the percentages can be misleading. I can't encourage you enough to go to the link I provided at covidandmarkets.com today with a brief interview with Anders Tegnell. And for the Swedes listening, I apologize if I'm pronouncing the name wrong. Since I myself am Scandinavian by uh, heritage, you would think I'd know how to pronounce the Swedish name, but I actually don't. Um, he's sort of the Anthony Fauci of Sweden, heavily quoted in this article I provided at covidandmarkets.com. I found it illuminating. Another piece you can get from me if you're interested, um, a study that I read this morning, and, and it was a difficult read for me, but I find it intriguing, published by the highly reputable Mayo Clinic, uh, concluding that there is a substantially lower COVID infection rate for those who have received a vaccine in the last five years for various non-COVID-related diseases, and they cite polio, hepatitis, geriatric flu, a number of others that I can't even pronounce. So where vaccination to peripheral um, supplemental uh, diseases, some of which are viral and some of which are not, that uh, may be helping avoid infection to the COVID is, I think, very interesting. So reach out if you're interested in that um, paper from the Mayo Clinic, COVID at the Group.com. And finally, there's some charts uh, at, at COVIDmarkets.com today that show uh, the models that the state of Minnesota put out to forecast where they were going to go with um, infections, where they were going to go with total mortalities, where they were going to go with hospitalizations and ICU needs, and where they are in all four cases. And I, I, I show you these charts out of gratitude, not to be critical of their forecasting, but to express gratitude that things stayed so incredibly benign in the great state of Minnesota. So uh, wrapping up COVID, cases falling, deaths we really hope will be peaking um, by the middle of August at the latest, hopefully even sooner. Uh, there is still some noisy data in the hospitalization side, but absolutely uh, positive trends. By positive, I mean negative, <laughs> so meaning declining trends, which is a positive in hospitalizations. And uh, we continue following all the other cases. And we'll leave that there. Stock market today, something I put a chart up uh, uh, today, just kind of showing the trend of what generally happens through these uh, kind of summer months. And then what generally happens during election years in particular, and why some just ongoing flattishness, some ups, some downs, but kind of bouncing around here in a little range is exactly what we've been forecasting because of COVID conditions, because of economic uncertainties, and then providing a chart to kind of reiterate that it's very common historically in election years anyways. Uh, don't really get me started on where we are with Congress on the stimulus bill. Uh, Pelosi and Schumer both came out to just say it was a disaster. They're so far apart. We're not close. Then they're meeting and they're eating and they're dining and they're talking and they're, you know, all the things that are supposed to happen. I, it appears to me um, that Pelosi and Schumer are both trying to see how serious 
Senator McConnell is about liability protection being a non-negotiable. Um, all indications are that he's serious about that. There's no doubt a lot that various parties are going to end up bending on, but I, I don't think he's going to bend on that one, and that appears to me to be what they're looking at. Uh, as mentioned, the Fed didn't change interest rates today. They reiterated their pledge to use their full range of tools to support the economy as long as it takes to recover. Um, the really kind of next time I could see something substantive coming from the Fed would be in September at their next scheduled meeting where they may opt for some form of yield curve control. They certainly are, are widely expected to provide more intentional forward guidance. In the meantime, it's pretty status quo. So there wasn't much they said today, and we weren't expecting there to be much they'd say today. Um, other than that, uh, I really hope you'll go to covidmarkets.com. There is a lot of good material there. I did provide a link to my new piece on what I wish would be in the stimulus bill, what I wish would not be in the stimulus bill. I don't often do that in a lot of my investment writing. Um, generally, I'm trying to be more descriptive, but I just provided the link to kind of a prescriptive piece as far as my own policy views, take them for what they are worth. Um, and with that, thank you as always for listening to COVID and Markets. We will be back with you tomorrow, Thursday, as we get ready, get closer to not only the end of this week, but the end of another exciting month uh, of July. I'll reach out with any questions. And um, once again, thank you for listening. The Bonson Group is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free risk. There is no guarantee that the investment process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. The Bonser Group and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the Bonson Group and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for any related questions.